We are women, we are strong, we are fighting for our rights, side by side with the men who work the nation's minds. United by the struggle, united by the past, and this, here we go, here we go, we're the women of the working class. Welcome to episode 9 of the Barnsley Museum's podcast, an international Women's Day special. I'm Davinia, the Marketing and Communications Manager. In the next 15 minutes, you're going to hear from the Barnsley Women Against Pit Closure Ladies, who campaigned tirelessly during the 1984 strike and who were the focus of a brilliant exhibition which marked the 30th anniversary of the strikes, an important part of Barnsley's history. The strike was about um, a proposed um, pit closure programme. Uh, it wasn't about money. A lot of people thought it was about want, you know, miners wanting more wages, etc., etc. It wasn't. Yeah, I am a socialist. I think it's really important that working class people stick together. Uh, and we, we all knew that the miners needed to be kept going and to be supportive because what happened to them would affect other people up and down the country who were also you know, going to be facing an onslaught uh, from Thatcher and the Tories at that time. Lack of jobs meant closed pits, loss of livelihood, dead communities and, and people just losing their identity because being a miner wasn't just about a job. Miners um, had their own identity, their own culture, and it, they, were, they were frightened that were, all that would go. I got involved as soon as possible at the beginning of the strike because during 72 and 74 the miners had strikes, but it was about money. It wasn't about fighting for survival of a community. A woman who lived quite near me, who couldn't send her children to school in the strike that was 10 years ago, which lasted for a month, because she hadn't got, couldn't pay for shoes for the children. So I thought, we can't let that happen again. I was left with three boys at home. We were cold and we were hungry. And throughout 72 and 74, I used to cry. So when 84 came along, I determined that I'm not going to sit and cry. I'm going to pull my boots up and I'm going to do something about this. One morning I got up and said, what are we going to do? So I went knocking on doors and got a few women together in village. We had a little meeting and we decided we'd go collecting, see what we could do. We went door to door collecting. And we did this for a while, and then we found out about Parsley Women Against Pit Closures. And uh, we rang them up, and uh, one of the girls said, come to a meeting. We were sat there at half past one thinking, I wonder if anybody will turn up. And within three quarters of an hour, you, people were full. Women were sat on the floor in the lounge and in the dining room, in the passage, and sat up the stairs as well. And that was the level of interest that there was, and we moved on from there. 
the whole community got behind it. You know, I think it was absolutely brilliant that you know the miners were were so active and involved, and that the women got involved. And Women Against Pit Closures was an organisation that I got to know about early on in the strike. So started going along to the meetings just to support and and see what we could do. We cooked meals for people, and we picketed, went to meetings. We spoke in Britain and abroad, and just caused mayhem as much as we could, just to make sure that our case would be heard. I think the figure in the end was something like 5,000 women on this march. It was absolutely enormous. And we went through town and went down to the Civic Hall, and the entry used to be next to the cinema. That photograph, I think it's all women in the picture and you can see some of the banners and the placards and, and there were just thousands of us in the hall singing, singing the song, you know, chanting and shouting. It was absolutely electrifying and it was, it was just brilliant to see so many, you know, working class women, many of them never been on a demonstration before, right, you know, being part of that, that mood and that atmosphere there. So it was a really... Big day, I think, in Barnsley history, really. If somebody was going to try and cross and go into the mine, the picket lines were there to try and stop them, to try and stop these people that wanted to get in to mines. I went, along with the, the pickets that I'd been um, picketing with, to the first push and um, it was scary. <laughs> when we arrived at the picket line, of course, there was always police, plenty police. And the horses um, were the worst thing. They just, they just charged down streets, you know, irrespective of who might have been in the way or anything. And they were just all together in this ring, just getting crushed and crushed and crushed. And he got older Grace's coat and he's pulling her trembling. I couldn't feel my legs for a, few, for a few minutes afterwards. Sometimes it were heart-aching and sometimes it were fun. <laughs> we gave him a rough ride and an inspector came to me one morning and he said, oh my God, how many is here? I said, about 30. And he says, I'd rather have 100 men than 30 women. <laughs> I said, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> There were lots of um, injustices that happened during, during the miners' strike. And um, to say that it was a police state, you know, that Yorkshire was a police state during that time, I don't think there'd be an exaggeration. They were just so cruel to us. They taunted us, they pushed us around, they broke my kneecap on the picket line. And they were just horrible. They used to bring horses and dogs to attack us and they didn't care whether there were women and children there, it didn't matter. They called us the enemy within and they were determined they were going to defeat us. got arrested that morning and I only got arrested because I went to ask the inspector why he'd arrested Lynn Hathaway, one of our women. And he said, get her as well. So obviously he got me, threw me in the picket van took me in the police, they took us in the police station, the four of us, and what they did, they strip-searched us. They made us, took us in a cell, made us take all our clothes off. It was horrendous. I shall never, ever forget that as long as I live. And I just came out of there and I thought, right, they've done that to me, they're not going to intimidate me. 
and I think they made me worse. We've got a woman who's pregnant and they've no pram, no clothes, no nappies, no nothing. Can you help? So we were saying, yes, we will help, but can we get some of the women together? Then they can start a group of women against big closures. I saw the poverty. I saw the despair. I saw the, the, the fear, again, because over a year, you know, people had accumulated massive debts and sold whatever they had. You know, so of course, you know, as a social worker, I were going into homes, you know, where I was invited to sit down, for example, I'm the only chair they, left in, they had left in the house. You know, there were 19 pits in Barnsley then, employing 20,000 people. It was, it was the major lifeblood of the community, and people knew that. Well, most of the community were pretty good. We had some that um, thought their pockets were a bit deep and they were fed up of going in it. We were welcomed by the communities, by the NUM, and by the other trade unions as well. We were absolutely united as, as a union branch, you know, that we wanted to support what was going on. So we, we organised like a Christmas party for the kids at the teachers' centre and ran that as teachers. We didn't get no money. There were no money for us to have. We just had to rely on his food parcels and any donations we got and his family. We set up kitchens because we knew that um, people needed food, needed meals, and also needed that community and that coming together. My kitchen worked three days a week uh, and ran on volunteers. We had £100 every week, apart from two weeks in the year, from the uh, Barnsley Central Women Against Big Closures, because their job was to raise funds to give out to keep the kitchens and the food parcels going. Um, people grew things and donated it, shops donated things, the co-op in particular gave everything instead of uh, throwing it away. There was lots of rice, pasta, uh, cereals, things like that, that really were never used. People didn't know what it was and how to use it. So it was, it was also about teaching people how to eat things that they'd never eaten before as well. Well, we did have a Christmas dinner. My husband and his brother got up and went to a butcher and fetched 100 and odd turkeys. There might have been a leg missing or a wing missing, but we got 100 and odd turkeys and we got the full Christmas dinner and we gave it out Christmas Eve. I remember one time uh, I got a telephone call from Belgium saying, in very broken English, we have got three vehicles, we will turn up in uh, three days' time. When they came, they rang and said, it is three articulated wagons. And I still to this day can't believe how much came out of three articulated wagons. We, it's not a small building, the village hall in Mapplewell. So we filled one room, one ballroom, with clothes, the smaller ballroom with toys, the kitchen with food, and the um, cloakroom and toilets with toiletries. But we had to have those things out of there and sorted out by Christmas because the caravan club had booked it for Christmas. My son 
he'd be about 12 or 13. He knew what the strike was all about, so he didn't expect anything for Christmas. He said, Mum, don't worry. Anyway, my mum and my family put together and we got him a second-hand bicycle. He got up next morning and there was a bike there for him, which he sat and cried, actually, because he didn't expect anything. Probably one of the best Christmases we had because we'd gone out and it was probably one of the best. We were happy. There were happy days. There weren't sad days. You know, anybody, just because we know money in his pocket didn't mean to say, you know, because it didn't matter to us. We were working towards what we believed in. Women came along that had been traditionally tied to the kitchen sink. They were there to make the dinner when the husband came home from work, look after the children and run the household. Actually a full-time job for them as well. Um, but during the strike they came along and learned to liberate themselves. We got women who went to university, got good jobs, and they wouldn't have thought, if it didn't be for the strike, they would never even have thought of trying to go to a university or anything. The women from the Barnsley Group, they gave me inspiration. One woman said to me, um, do you know, Jean, I've got my own pen now, and I use it. And I was always known as so-and-so's mother or so-and-so's wife, never me. And I was always judged as a wife or a mother, never me. And it gave me the confidence and it gave me knowledge. And I suddenly realised that I don't have to stick in this unhappy marriage that I'd existed in for 30 odd years and been downtrodden and been told that I was thick and stupid and I didn't understand anything. And so it also gave me the confidence to leave home. I left my husband and, and I forged my own life and I love every minute of it and I live on my own and it doesn't matter if I don't wash up or I don't clean up, it doesn't matter. There's only me and there's far more important things out there to do. I mean, what my husband did, I don't know, and my son, because I, uh, I were never there. I were always out either picketing or collecting or doing something. Some of the women had never been out without their husbands and they were getting a freedom and the fact that talent and ability that they never never even thought they could do things what they were doing. Some women were the only breadwinners. You know, some women went, continued to work but worked around. So they were the only breadwinners and as the only breadwinners they became the head of the household and that role wasn't given up easily. <laughs> This lad said to me, he said, Anne, I want my wife back. And I said, well, you've got her, she's here. I said, it's all. He says, yeah, but I don't want her. I want one I had before. There's never, ever been a time that women have developed as quickly and as well as they did during the miners' strike. You know, were outside influences, if you like, that forced them back to work. Well, it was Thatcher who called the striking miners and their families and that as the enemy within. If by being an enemy within, I prevented pit closures, saved communities, provided a future for our children and their children and future generations after them, then she could call me the enemy within. But 
today, when you look at how things have changed, Thatcher socially, she just destroyed the social structure. She made people more selfish. You know, she got them to buy the council houses so that often then they wouldn't go on strike because of mortgage payments to make. And she, she'd learned all this after the miners' strike. She'd realised what solidarity there was in coal mining communities. Your life is so different now. And I feel sorry. I feel sorry for humans today. I really do because I really can't say to you what life could be for you today. If the mines still were still working, I think you, there would be a future for young people. Um, there would be jobs. Um, there would be confidence and a sense of pride because I think the, the, the culture, the mining culture, was very strong. First of all, you've got to go back to your history books. Look at the struggles of the working class, all the different campaigns that have been conducted, and not to sit back and just let things happen. If you see an injustice, you've got to fight it. We are women, we are strong. We are fighting for our rights, side by side with our men. All work the nation's minds, united by the struggle, united by the past, and it's Making mash, cooking pies, see the plates, they're stacked up high. Sending parcels to a friend, will this torture ever end? How did you carry on with the fears that burn so strong? You may not have got along with each other, you work together. Being brave, being heard, always sticking to their word. Feeling tired, feeling scared, looking back on times they've shared. Protesting day and night, summoning police cells from the fight. Fighting for the right to survive. They kept protesting. Sing a song to show their hate They'd protest till very late Working hard to keep their hope They were squeezed till they were broke Emotional turmoil was endured For a cause so very pure Minds they were beaten and were bruised But they refused to lose Thanks for fighting for our rights We heard your voices clear and bright You gave us independence, futures and a life You showed the world what you could do And that somehow you would all pull through Instead of being just another wife You kept investing We are women, we are strong we are fighting for our rights, side by side with our men. All work the nation's minds, united by the struggle, united by the past. And it's here we go, here we go, where the 
How catchy is that song, which was featured in an award-winning animation by David Bunting and the Youth Council? Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it.